Hey everybody, it's Allie and welcome to our Y&R chat for Sunday, December 13th, 2015. Can you believe that they were able to restore Victor's office to the exact same state it was before the fire? It is a Christmas miracle, you guys! <laughs> Please! I mean, they did the Weiner did the exact same thing with the underground. We had this huge collapse. We believed that the underground was completely destroyed, and then it was rebuilt exactly the same way, probably less than a month later. I don't know. I mean, I appreciate it. I didn't want to see a new office the way they did with the ranch. Maybe they, maybe Wyanar learned the lesson from the ranch. They burnt that set down, completely redid it, and all of the fans were so upset. So they were like, no, 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 we better just, we're gonna burn it down, but we better just make sure it's exactly the same. Even if it's unbelievable, do they even make that shade of dark emerald green paint anymore? <laughs> I don't know. That Victor's office is so very Romanesque. I'm sure that they'll restore the bust and, of course, uh, the portrait of Victor. It was weird looking at that room without Victor's portrait on the wall. I think, what is, let's see if we can remember the story behind that, because I think, didn't Nikki have that portrait painted of him as a present? Maybe my memory is failing me, but um, I, I know that I remember a time when Victor's portrait came off the wall when Jack and Brad took over Newman Enterprises, I believe that they had a portrait of themselves, Jack and Brad, side by side in this oil portrait on the wall in the exact same spot where Victor's portrait used to be. And there was a very dramatic scene when Victor came back to take control of his company once again. And he grabs that portrait of Jack and Brad off the wall and smashes it to pieces. <laughs> oh man, Victor's lost, you know, he's lost, everybody's lost control of their company 400,000 times over the course of the show. I guess that goes to show us, it really kind of is a lot of the same stories over again, but I don't mind. <laughs> I like them. Um, you know, from that short little scene with uh, the office reintroduction, I was left with the overwhelming feeling of what an amazing daughter Victoria is. She had that portrait restored for him. She set up this surprise, giving Daddy his office back, the thing that means so much to him. And I just thought, what more could a father ask for in a child? Victoria is the ideal daughter. She is everything that Victor would want any of his children to be, yet Victoria is always getting the backhand. Victor constantly gives preference in his own weird way to Adam and gives presence, gives preference in a more obvious way, preference in a more obvious way to Nick. And yet Victoria really gets nothing. It's, it's, I just feel bad for her. And Victoria, if, okay, so Adam resents Victor, fine. Victoria should be the one resenting Victor to the end of time. She should be a great rivalry with him. He's destroyed every single relationship she has ever had. Any marriage that she's been in, he's found a way to destroy it. And she works tirelessly for him and gets really nothing out of it. So, oh, Victoria. She's, she's one of these days she's got to have her say. Um, I did enjoy the fact that Adam came back to work at Newman Enterprises, and there's a part of me that liked seeing Victoria and Victor and Adam working together. Did you guys think that was at least a little bit delightful. Maybe these people can get along for Christmas for a couple of hours or something. Um, but Adam comes back into the fold with this brilliant idea of how Victor can get back at Jabot for everything that Billy did with resurrecting the Paragon virus. And Adam's big idea is, let's just sue 
everyone under the Jabot roof. We'll shoot. We'll sue Jabot. We'll shoot. Sue all of the individual players. Ashley, Jack, Billy, everybody. If you're wearing a Jabot name tag, I'm gonna serve you with a summons. And it actually is a really good idea. Victor cannot wait to jump on it. It's an idea for revenge. It's something that he can do above board and not have to do anything sneaky because we all know Victor doesn't want to do anything sneaky. So he he can't wait. He, he I mean he immediately goes over to Jabot and starts bragging. I mean, did you notice that? He it, he didn't even care about executing the idea. It was like 3 minutes later he was in the basement uh, laboratory of Jabot rubbing it in Ashley and Phyllis's faces that he was about ready to sue them and just wait until Jack finds out about this whole thing. I mean, Jack is just now coming back, just now realizing that Billy was the one behind the whole Paragon thing anyway, and realizing that Phyllis and Billy worked together to send him off on this wild goose chase, not really including him on the plan. And I have to tell you guys, my thought here is that what's, what YNR is building toward is a Jack-Phyllis-Billy triangle. Are you guys seeing it? Because I'm seeing the groundwork laid here. I mean, we are certainly seeing Phyllis defending Billy with everything she has, trying to help him so much, while Jack is ready to unleash his fury on Billy, and Jack not really feeling like he can connect with Phyllis right now because she didn't open up to him about that. I mean, Jack... And Billy almost had a knockdown, drag out fight in the middle of the athletic club. Billy's back to his drinking and gambling, which I will admit it is kind of hard to buy from this Billy in particular. There were um, definitely some moments where it's hard to believe Burgess as this dark, dark version of Billy. But um, at the same time, I, I am thinking that YNR, knowing that we are going to have a recast of Billy on the way, is maybe taking this opportunity to cast someone intentionally to be a little bit more dark, maybe a little bit more conniving, and a possible match for Phyllis instead of necessarily Victoria. I mean, we are setting up a major rivalry here between Billy and Jack. I mean, maybe they'll team up uh, in joint forces and fighting Victor with everything they have, but there's just something in me. And you tell me if you're picking up on this vibe too. B Billy and Phyllis, they are both resenting Jack for not for letting Victor get away with the whole thing with Marco and it's driving a wedge in between Jack's relationship with everyone in his family and I just bet you that YNR <laughs> is setting us up for a love tr a brother a brotherly love triangle <laughs> You guys are going to have to let me know what you think about that. But Jack, I think, honestly, I believe that Jack has just been through all of this with Victor too many times before. In fact, I appreciate the way that Jack has taken a more even-handed approach to dealing with Victor. Unfortunately, he's wrong. <laughs> he's entirely wrong. Jack thinks that, hey, maybe I can just go stop the lo the lawsuit by using my leverage on Adam, maybe just sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, bridging the gap with Victor. Jack goes to Adam expecting that Adam's going to help him get that lawsuit dropped. Yeah, not so much. Adam straight up tells Jack, um, it was my idea, in fact, but the brilliant thing is I've got an out for you. It's a built-in out. You can go ahead and or let Victor uh, bargain with Victor. Let him know that you will let Billy take the fall for all of this, for everything Paragon. Jabot won't get sued. None of the family members will be destroyed. You can save your family, save your company. Uh, you just got to cut Billy loose. And I just thought, wow, Jack's gonna do it. I mean, there was a part of me that thought Jack would do it, but I was just so impressed 
with the way that Jack handled himself through really this whole week. I mean, Jack said, wait a minute, I'm not, you could see that he really wanted to be even handed with Adam and with Victor. But as the week progressed, he thinks, I'm not going to let you back me into a corner. I'm not going to betray my brother to save my company, to save my family. In fact, he had this wonderful moment where he told Adam, I'm not going to do that. My father built Jabot so that all of his children would have a professional home. And there is no way that I'm going to cut my brother out of that. Jack was a total hero in that moment. I was so into him. I mean, Jack might as well have had a cape and a giant J on his chest and he should have just like flown off the, out the door to, to, to save all his family. I just thought he was so great because at the end of the day, Jack is the head of the Abbott family. Ashley may be running Jabot, but Jack still has a lot of say. Jack's still the leader. Ashley made an unsuccessful attempt <laughs> to negotiate with Victor, get Jabot out of this stupid lawsuit, offers Victor 25, no, $50 million to make it all go away. And Victor, the smug SOB that he is, looks Ashley in the face and says, 50 million? Mm, why don't you try adding a zero to that and then we'll talk. Ooh! <laughs> I mean, the thing is with Victor that these people need to understand is that you can come, go ahead, try, scramble everything together and come up with $500 million. As soon as you offer him half a billion, he'll want one billion. It's not even about money to Victor. Victor doesn't really need money. He's got other resources. He's got illegal arms dealer money coming in from the Santoris. This is about revenge for Victor. It always is. <laughs> I mean, at, at the end of the day, we are really seeing Billy and Phyllis being the ones who get that. They understand that Victor is out for blood. He's always going to be out for blood. There's no such thing as reforming this man. They're done with him. Jack makes a foolhardy attempt to go to Victor and extend the olive branch. And I was again impressed beyond belief with Jack in that moment saying, let's just work this out between you and me, Victor. And Victor, oh, he was so smug in that scene at the athletic club where he says, Jack, just forget it. You've lost. Accept it. Why don't you just pay me the money and let Jabot dissolve? Can you believe he actually suggested that Jack let Jabot dissolve? He knew exactly what he was saying. Victor's wanting a fight at this point, and he's going to get it. That was Jack's last straw. I'm not just going to brush my father's entire life's work off like it means nothing. I'm going to get you back. You you, you want to do this right now, Victor? I tried to work with you. I actually tried to mend fences with you. And this is what you want? Well, you're going to get it. From the previews of Monday's episode, it looks like Jack is going to call a press conference to tell the whole world about everything that happened with Marco so that Victor can stop holding the, the, the entire thing over his head. I will tell you I am tired of the whole Mark. I'm tired of that dance. I don't want to hear the name Marco ever again, frankly. I don't want to talk about what happened with Kelly. I don't want to think about the boat that blew up. I'm, I, I, I'll be fine. Do a press conference, Jack. Tell everybody about it. Let Victor take the consequences for what he did with Marco. It was horrible and awful and it just got sweeped under the rug. So fine. Let Victor take the fall, but then let's just stop talking about it. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I want the minutia of that to go away, but I love the larger drama that's being created. I mean, Jack versus Victor. YNR is taking us back to brass tacks. Pure, simple, all-out war. (sighs) 
how is Kevin going to play into all of this? Because Kevin thought he was so smart, working both sides, working with Billy while taking money from Victor to help him. And now he's stuck right in the middle of this whole thing. The one positive note from his wild goose chase off to Europe with Jack was that he apparently met some young Swiss hottie who has some idea for creating a revolutionary hack-proof computer security system that will make it impossible for computers to be hacked. <laughs> so he's like hacking, he's gonna, ha I don't know, he's, if, if computers can't be hacked anymore, Kevin, you're gonna be out of a job. <laughs> That's like 90% of what you do. <laughs> but he's got this, uh, this woman who has this idea who's for some reason chosen to let him in on it. If it's, wor if it's, if it's so revolutionary and worth so much money that the Newmans and the Abbots and everything Everyone's going to want to pay all this money for it. Why is she letting him in on the gig? I did see an update that um, there's a new young lady who's been cast onto YNR for a few episodes. I can't think of her name, sorry, but it seemed like uh, CBS Soaps in Depth is where I read the article, and they were speculating that it, that she will end up being the Swiss girl who's uh, going to come and, and be tied to Kevin. I just don't quite know how this is all... Like, are you guys fitting the pieces together? I'm not sure how this revolutionary new computer software software is going to change anything for the Newmans versus the Abbots. I don't know, maybe it's just another bargaining tool. I'm not sure, but I do like that at least Kevin's up in this story of corporate intrigue because I find him entertaining. I very much enjoyed Kevin this week and I enjoyed Kevin and Mariah and their relationship. I was just thinking probably maybe a la I think I almost think it was last week I was thinking we haven't even seen Mariah and Kevin in so long what happened with them what happened with their relationship what's the status do we want Kevin and Mariah to hook up or are we okay with this cat and mouse I mean at the end of all of this do we want a Mariah and Kevin romance? I'm not sure. So maybe you guys can tell me what you think about that. For now, I do appreciate that YNR has a job for Kevin. What they need to do is get a job for Mariah, which all, which needs to be Mariah saving Sharon uh, when, unfortunately, her happy, perfect life becomes shattered. Of course, I loved Sharon and Dylan's wedding. I am so thrilled to see Sharon finally happy after all of this time. I, I, I Now that she's out of Fairview, I really can't believe that she's not remembering all of the things that happened there, i.e. the druggings. <laughs> And thinking that that's not weird. I mean, I can't even begin to... I'm not even going to start down the path of talking about all of the ways Sharon... Not realizing all of the things that have happened are is unbelievable because there are so very many. Uh, but I, I, I really like seeing her happy especially after all of the horror. I mean, those were hard scenes to watch. Now we're seeing her at home with what she thinks is her child and her new husband. Dylan had the idea of surprising Sharon with a Christmas wedding, but of course we didn't know that. So there was this really awkward moment where Nick came in or came over to Sharon's and asked to spend some time with Faith because he's just feeling so alone and Dylan obviously has this surprise planned and he does not want to let Nick take faith and it was really uncomfortable. I felt bad for Nick, bad for Sharon and sure enough, the doorbell rings and the surprise begins just as it had reached its tipping point. Paul, the happy grandpa, 
Paw slash Santa slash internet ordained minister <laughs> comes over to surprise them with a Christmas wedding. Dylan gives her a, a little cake topper in a box and that's his romantic way of proposing. He asks Sharon to marry him and they get married right there in the living room with their baby and Faith and Nick. The Nick part was weird. <laughs> it was. I felt bad for Nick having to stand there and watch all of this going down because his life is so miserable right now. Um, it was, I felt like it was weird for him and also maybe a little weird for them. It was. It's also his ex-wife, the love of his... Like, I'm sorry, probably his the love of his life standing there marrying somebody else, but whatever. It was really sweet. Of course, I loved the vows between... Sharon and Dylan. I loved seeing them together afterward. I really think that the part I loved the most was Paul. I just think he's so adorable as a grandfather holding his grandson for the first time. I, I think he was adorable as Santa. He gave a, a one. He gave a wonderful speech marrying his son uh, and Sharon. I just I thought Paul was an absolute little Christmas cookie. I just could have plucked him and nom, nom, nom. <laughs> he's just so cute. The part I loved the least was, whoa, Dr. Anderson shows up at the door and oh, she's been so kind and helpful to Sharon. Let's invite her to stay. The closeness that's developing between Nick and Dr. Anderson is really concerning. I guess we can we can officially stop calling her Dr. Anderson. She has a first name now, and it's Sandy, as in Sandra, as in Sandra Allen, the woman who broke her neck at Nick's pool party. Am I wrong? I think that's... I think that's what we're seeing, and I, I'm I, I I'm trying really hard to understand what still what exactly her motive is. I mean, she tells Dylan to keep Sage away from Sully, which is about covering her tracks. She tells Nick to stay away from Sage, which I originally thought it was more about just making Nick miserable, like wanting to break, wanting to take his child, take his wife, take everything away from him the way he took everything away from her. But then there was this scene where they left the wedding, left Sharon and Dylan's wedding and took a little walk in the park and it was pseudo romantic, but I, it was, it was, um, it was perplexing because I, I, I thought, well, I, I assumed that it was all malicious, but then the way it was kind of romantic and she opened up and she talked about that there was a, a, a guy that she loved once, uh, obviously talking about Nick, and he was so charming and she thought he was the, the greatest guy, but then things went wrong and he totally abandoned her and wasn't there for her. Of course, we know that Nick didn't know what happened with Sandra. Victor was the one who covered up the whole broken neck situation. Uh, Nick didn't know anything about it until years later. Of course, he didn't follow up on it, but apparently she survived the accident. She was fine. I mean, I guess I always pictured that the Sandra Allen would have had some permanent damage, but uh, she, you know, she seems to have gone on, had her education paid for, decided to, she, she says she decided to become a psychologist or psychiatrist so that she could, you know, help other people while she was working through her own issues. And it just seemed like we were having a moment of getting to know this person and that maybe she was just trying to break up Nick's marriage so that she could have him all to herself. Is that what you guys were thinking? There was a moment at the very end of the scene where she's alone on the park bench and she sort of laughs and maybe shakes off that sensitivity and and looks again a little bit evil. So, I mean, we know she's evil. She did a baby story. So, I mean, no matter what. But, she, but I just, I'm wondering that if... I'm, I, I'm wondering if in the twisted version of her crazy brain, this is her working her way back to Nick? 
I don't know, maybe not. It's it's working though. Everything that she's done is is working perfectly. The only person I could think that's gonna possibly bust all of this out would be Mariah. And it seems like YNR is slowly getting us there because Mariah has already said that she's suspicious of old Sandy. But in the meantime, Nick is is he he is going through a true torture. I feel so bad for him. YNR has most definitely focused more on Nick's feelings throughout the week and we're seeing him become isolated. We're seeing him try everything under the sun to make his marriage work to, and it's just not working. I, I really thought that Noah did a wonderful job of summarizing Sage's state of mind. Uh, he was talking to Nick. They were sort of both roundabout talking about their relationships and and Noah said, the problem is you make Sage feel so she's pushing you away. And it's this, pretty much the same thing that happened with Sharon when you lost Cassie, only in the opposite. But I thought that was a really smart assessment of the situation by Noah, that it really is seeing Nick, being with him, being inside of their life that Sage thought was going to be so happy is just causing her now to feel the absence of all of that happiness. But I, as I've connected in more with Nick throughout the week, I had a harder time. I'm, I'm struggling. You know, I'm a Sage fan, but I was struggling to, to get her this over the course of the past week because I'm just watching her throw up these barriers with him him that are totally in her mind. She's creating this distance. It doesn't need to be there. And I just keep thinking, why can't she just try? She just doesn't really seem to try. She flirts with the idea of coming home and picking up their life and, and, tr and moving on, but then she immediately pulls away as soon as anything becomes intimate. And that's just not very adult. It's just not very mature. And so I'm finding it more difficult to connect in with her. I most certainly do empathize with her feelings of loss for her child, but she really has got to get some help. Um, I, 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 I just, I, Nick, okay, first of all, I think personally that it was wrong for him to take down the things in the nursery without talking to her, without at least saying, I think this is what our next step needs to be. But he kind of revealed to her in a, a, a um, in a surprise moment for her that he had taken down the things of the nursery and given away this or that and kept some important things. And I felt like it was a wrong decision to to do that. But at the same time, I also understand that Nick is just trying to be a man. He's just trying to be the leader of his family. And I, I, I and, 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 and I think they both need help, but it seems like only Nick is willing to try. Sage has to try. She need, and if she can't try on her own, if she's not strong enough to try on her own, nobody would blame her, but go and get some help. The, the woman's depressed. She needs professional help and not Dr. Anderson. I loved looking at all of the beautiful Christmas decor in Adam and Chelsea's condo this week. Did you guys notice they just had it decorated really well? It was done up. Like if you are a, a rich, <laughs> if you're rich and it's Christmas time, like white fur Christmas is in. They had this white fur wreath on the door. They keep their wreath on the front of the door. <laughs> it was white fur wreath. They had this white fur owl. They had a little white fur deer and some and a little sleigh, I think, with some white fur on it. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how much dust all of that stuff would collect. <laughs> I do not even want to try to get dust out of white fur Christmas decorations, but it's cool if you guys got, you know, somebody that you pay to come in and clean your place. All right. But I, I just didn't want to forget to mention, I think that the YNR set decorations
decorations were beautiful. Again, beautiful floral arrangements that Nick gave to Sage. Those gorgeous crimson red roses and, and, and it was accented with these purple flowers. I don't know what they were. And then, by the way, Sharon's decoration at her house. It was such a stark change from what we were seeing at Adam and Chelsea's, which was sleek, slick, classic, mod Christmas. And then Sharon's house was just full of all of the Christmas kitsch that you could handle. Uh, it was an interesting contrast, but I want to make sure to give some credit where credit is due. Those sets looked beautiful. They put a lot of time into it, I'm sure, and it was well appreciated by me. So, Chelsea... She is trying really hard to be supportive of Adam's support for Sage. I really appreciated the beginning of the week when Chelsea took Sage aside and tried to have kind of a woman-to-woman -woman girlfriend sort of conversation with her um, because they used to be sort of close. There was a moment when Sage was still keeping Adam's secret about his identity where, and I think Sage was still ma married to Adam and Chelsea was getting was married to Billy and it seemed like these were two women who could feasibly get along with one another and then that sort of faded away and Chelsea, now that Chloe's gone, hasn't really had a friend and I don't know, we, I miss having girlfriends on the show where they don't really do that anymore uh, but there was a nice moment between them that sort of got a little bit intense as Chelsea starts questioning Sage about her feelings for Adam because and Sage just she doesn't even hide it she starts going on about how much she likes Adam because he's got all of these qualities and uh he's charming and just if somebody was talking about my husband like that I would ooh red flag nope get out of my um, I'm guess what we're never seeing you again you're officially never coming over here again and I don't care what he says <laughs> <laughs> but Chelsea straight up called Sage out. Oh, you loved Adam, didn't you? And uh, Sage didn't even really try to deny it. She just kind of goes, yeah, I guess I did. Huh? <laughs> I, you guess you did, huh? I, I mean, she, like, I, and, oh, and Adam walks in on this. Here's the whole thing. <laughs> totally realizes, um, did you, you love me? This is weird. And Sage starts backpedaling immediately. Uh, well, uh, sort of. I mean, you know, I love Gabe and Adam has Gabe's face, so it's cool. Oh my gosh, don't even feel like I'm gonna take your man or anything. <laughs> I only loved him because he looked like somebody else. I'm definitely not gonna come in between you and Adam's relationship, like, within the next two or three weeks. <laughs> Police girl. <laughs> Chelsea's being too trusting. You gotta, gotta, gotta guard your man. And she's not doing it. She's, t I mean, who was it? I think, oh, Adam is being overly accommodating when it comes to Sage. He tells her, hey, you know what? That, the, the condo across the hall that we used to live in, it's empty. I bet that, you know, the realtor's a friend of mine. I bet we could get you to go live over there. I'm for free. I mean, what's the, come on. Yeah, you could just go live across the hall. Hello, it's the same technique that Adam used to get Chelsea. I mean, Sage, she may end up using it to get Adam. Oh, I'll just be across the hall. Oh, I won't be up in your hair or anything. I'll just be like totally over here all the time up in your hair. <laughs> uh, and, and again, I would say it's, it's no big deal, except that Sage isn't really even trying to repair her relationship with Nick. And that makes me suspicious of her. Does Sage know something more than we know? I mean, we know that Adam knows that uh, Christian was his son. But I'm starting to wonder, does Sage know? Does Sage possibly know that Adam was the father and she wants to be with him right now? Whether it's subconscious or whether it's, you know, whether it's completely conscious, I have no idea. But Chelsea is going to end up paying the price for all of this. She's being too kind. I'm all for befriending her, but the woman round the bush basically said she loves your husband. You're letting the fox into your hen house and you're going to regret it. But I guess, here's the thing. I don't know if 
the viewers are going to regret it because I've definitely seen some comments throughout the week of people saying, yeah, you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing Adam and Sage and seeing, you know, if there's any possibility that relationship could go somewhere. So that is this week's poll question. Are you open to an Adam-Sage romance? You can cast your vote on that at yrchat.com. Are you feeling like there's a possibility of these two, or are you just like an, a diehard Adam and Chelsea fan? No way. They must be together. Let me know how you feel about that. I think that's a really good question for this week. I think maybe I know how it'll turn out, but eh, you never know. So let me know. Are you open to an Adam and Sage romance? Oh, yeah, Lil Ava's life looks terrible. This child of Marissa and Luca's just looks like she's obviously abused and with this terrible family. I mean, every day playing in the park with the other kids. And, oh, yeah, looks like a terrible life. <laughs> obviously, Luca lied about that, but Marissa doesn't see it. They show up in Spain. Marissa has this incredible moment where she meets her daughter for the first time, and she knows it's her. She can see herself in this little girl's eyes. The little girl is still holding a stuffed animal that she's had her entire life and Marissa recognizes it. You've probably had that stuffed animal since you were born, didn't you? I mean, she knows this is her child. There's no question about it. Luca is overlooking the entire situation like his entire world is coming together. Probably nothing he wants more in the world than to be with Marissa and to be with their child together. But... The child's with another family. The mother seems completely fine and completely normal. The, the mother notices her daughter talking to strangers and shuffles off the little girl, leaving Marissa and Luca together. Marissa is just in bliss thinking about how she's going to br probably bring the child back or or whatever start this new life with her daughter and meanwhile Noah's on the other end realizing that he cannot let Luca just take his woman he's in love with Marissa he wanted to be the one to help her he's a Newman he wanted to be the one to rescue her but he works with Kevin to try to get more information on the Santori family. And I swear, Kevin, all he did was like a Google search and he found out that the Santoris are a really shady family. They're involved in all kinds of bad stuff up to and including arms dealing. Um, I, I just can't even believe that nobody thought to Google search the Santoris before. Obviously, Luca was lying to her. Noah calls to tell her that Luca was lying to her and she's absolutely furious that she's been misled. Well, I'm sorry, Marissa. Are you really surprised? First of all, Luca has never been unclear about what his goal is in all of this. So he lied about the fact that he, that she lives in a happy home and he's just been paying the child's tuition all these years. Big deal. The child's happy. The child's in the only home that she's ever known. Can you imagine how frightening that would be if all of a sudden that little girl was forced to leave her family and go off with these strangers that maybe she feels some kind of weird connection to? But can you imagine how frightening that would be for a little girl and how abandoned she would feel by the only mother that she's ever known? I'm sorry, Marissa, but you gave Ava up without telling the father and you made the choice all on your own and now you're gonna have to live with it so I was so glad when Marissa did the right thing I was glad that she stood back and realized all of this and thought I cannot do this to my daughter I care more about her happiness than I care about me being with her and and, and that's probably what the root of all this was Marissa probably gave up the child because she cared more about her happiness and what type of life she would have and bringing you know bringing her back in to her life would 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 really kind of counteract any of that so I was so happy that Marissa made that decision it was interesting to me that Luca just stood back and let her 
make that decision. It's his child, too. This is, it's, it's not just hers. So it was weird to me that he had nothing to say about that. He just came back and said, oh, I have so much respect for you. Well, I, I mean, I, this is kind of going against your plan. It's your daughter, too. Obviously, like, Marissa made that decision for both of them, is I guess what I'm trying to say. And it all goes down to the fact that Luca is a pussycat. Okay, this guy ain't scary. <laughs> He don't scare me one little bit. His family may be scary, but this guy has a weakness, and it's Marissa, which is sort of similar to me to the way Adam is. Like, you know, he's everybody else in the world sort of finds him intimidating and foreboding, but he's got this one weakness, and it's the woman that he loves. I really like Luca. I, I noticed this week that Marissa got, or the actress who plays Marissa, I need to learn her name, um, was incorporated into the opening credits of the show. I noticed that Luca was not, so he's probably going to be a passing character. Although, I like him. I wish Y&R would do a little something with him. Like, I could get into Luca for real. There's a couple different people we could pair him with if we wanted to. And But but for now, I actually really like the Luca Marissa Noah triangle. I think there's a lot of potential there, and I want to see where it goes. Noah, he is such you know, I guess he's not that much different. Noah's from this very powerful family, and uh, he, and yet he's a pussycat. Maybe that's maybe she, that's sort of what, who, why she's attracted to him. Luca and Noah probably have way more in common than they care to admit. Noah, he's so in over his head. Yet now that he's discovered that the Santoris are arms dealers, and everyone knows that they're backing Victor's business, giving him money to rebuild. Noah makes a call to the FBI to tattle and say that the I, I, there's there's arms dealers doing business in Wisconsin. <laughs> you guys need to go check this out, which is hilarious. Um, I don't know why, but it is. It's like, you know, Noah, here's the thing. How are the Newmans that much different from the Santoris? I mean, cheating, stealing... Uh, crimes, countless crimes, and getting away with it, it's the same thing. Lily and Kane have this big public fight in the middle of the athletic club where they blow up at each other, and then Kane accuses Lily of still being in love or being in love with Joe. Meanwhile, Joe's listening around the corner. It was all for show, but it was all really obvious. No, they didn't fool me from the point from point A. They did not fool me on that, but they did fool Devon, which gave Devon and Kane an excuse to really dig in and talk to one another. Hallelujah! Devon finally apologizes to Kane for assuming the worst of him, assuming that he was the one who was extorting him. I really feel bad for Kane in all of this. Nobody believed him. Nobody trusted him. If if everything is as it seems, and Kane is Kane and not Caleb, and there's some other twist around the corner, Kane really got the raw end of the deal in all of this. Neil said a huge chain of events into motion that Cain got caught up in, and it has pretty much destroyed his marriage. Lily storms out uh, into the snow. Joe follows her, of course. He's got, he, this man has a Chesser cat smile if I have ever seen one. He is, he is very foreboding, and the actor plays it incredibly well. They, uh, Joe and Lily get in the car, and this is all, she's all, the whole point of it is she's going to try to take him back to her place, lull him into this false sense of security, and then try to get him to confess to setting up Kane. Well, instead, the car, they, they're on their way out to drive to get a Christmas tree. The car breaks down. <laughs> There's no place else to go except the Abbott cabin. There's absolutely no cell service, no electricity, no nothing. And Joe got some, got, got some candles lit. Joe sees this as an opportunity to have a romantic evening with Lily. But... Lily is squirming away from his touch at every chance she gets, and it becomes more and more obvious to him that she doesn't really want him. So he's, I mean, he definitely was coming off as 
sexually aggressive. Oh, I hate that. I hate that was hard to watch. Like, cause it's just him trying to get on her and touch her. And she's just like, oh, let me uh, fiddle with this thing over here. That was difficult to watch. I mean, and, and it became increasingly more frustrating for Joe. And he became increasingly more uh, aggressive and until it got to the point where he was grabbing her and um, like kind of wanting to shake her and she's saying, ow, my arm hurts, Joe. I mean, we've seen this before with Avery. We, we just got done seeing this. So it, uh, uh, Joe and his violent tendencies was not just an isolated incident. Avery was right. There was something wrong with him the entire time. If he's just doing this to one woman, he's definitely going to, and he's doing it to two women, then this is who he is. This is what he does. So Lily becomes in real danger here. Luckily, Kane realizes that she's in trouble. He, he goes out to the rescue, gets it's Paul to come in and let's all go up and rescue Lily and and Lily is just getting Joe to confess to the fact that he framed Kane as Joe or excuse me as Kane is coming in the door I mean Joe like had Lily in a chokehold and he was saying you know I'd do it again I wish I, I should have framed Kane earlier I just wanted us to be together it was really totally creepy Paul's waiting in the wings. He's heard the entire thing. He sweeps Joe off, and I guess, what, Joe's gone now? Is he going to go to jail? Is he going to stand trial? There's no way that YNR is going to be able to rehab this character. I, I mean, I know that we say that a lot. People do the worst things. I mean, Victor's the biggest and most prime example of this. People do the worst things, and then YNR turn it. But how do you come back from being a like a woman like herder <laughs> like you can't like not especially in daytime like you can't be a guy who grabs women and bruises them and then comes back to be a romantic lead so i'm assuming that joe is gonna be off the canvas i mean is that what you guys think i'm not sure uh kane seems to be sticking around for now um lily and kane have this moment together after all is said and done joe's been hauled off they're alone in the cabin beautiful candlelight candle lit scene and I thought, oh, they're going to get back together. This is it. They've, they've, they've overcome this. The whole Joe, Joe is, he's, you know, wash our hands of him. He's gone. But no, it was both beautiful and sad. Lily says, can we work this out, Kane, please? And he just says, I'm so sorry, but no. I, I, Kane cannot get over the fact that Lily mistrusted him like fundamentally mistrusted him and turned to joe having sex with him twice i mean the mistrust thing i could see because as joe pointed out during the whole con final confrontation kane lied to lily from the beginning about his identity he lied to lily about like his own death so kane lying to lily is not a new thing that he should be like so offended to think that she would think that but for some reason this is this is what it is he's decided that this is i suppose the end for them is is it is this the end of of lily and kane Holy shiitake! <laughs> Who said it? Who originally said it, you guys? That is our quote for the week. I don't, I've never heard that phrase before, so when it was said, I was like, ooh, I'm gonna, not only am I going to use that for this week's Who Said It, but I'm gonna use it in my real life. Holy shiitake! <laughs> Go to yrchat.com if you think you know who said it. You can leave your guess there. And last week's quote, go big and chic or go home. Uh, quite a few people got that right. Jennifer, uh, Victoria, Katie, Soiree on Rose. I love that name. Um, Consuela and Amanda, who says Ashley said it through gritted teeth while thinking about Stitch Naked. <laughs> yes, Ashley was talking to uh, Abby about her wedding plans and told her, go big and chic or go home. But yeah, she was definitely, <laughs> definitely gritting her th teeth and thinking about Stitch being naked. It's interesting. I 
think, let's see, I think there was a preview scene for next week's show, or maybe it was just a little quick scene um, throughout this past week, but, no, it's next week. Uh, Victor is suggesting that uh, Abby and Stitch postpone their wedding until the spring, and Ashley is chiming in saying, no, no, no. <laughs> we need to get this wedding going. Uh, like, the sooner my daughter is married to this man, the sooner I can just safely know that he's untouchable. And while, while there's still any glimmer of Stitch being single, I don't trust myself to not hook up with him. But if he's married to my daughter, then then okay. Okay, I can stay off of him. <laughs> oh my goodness. Holy shiitake! Aha, let's open up the chatterbox, shall we, and read some of your comments. Um, actually, this comment from BXGirlHS is what really got me thinking about this week's poll question. Uh, uh, on YouTube, BXGirlHS says, I'm an Adam and Chelsea fan, but... I'm also intrigued by Adam and Sage. I like their scenes together. They, there just seems to be no pretenses when they talk to each other. I really agree. I love, I have become a fan of Adam and Chelsea's relationship, but there is something about Adam and Sage that feels intriguing to me. I think that as Adam and Chelsea first met, it was sort of a romance between two dark characters. And as time has gone on, Adam has definitely still, he still maintained that level of darkness, but Chelsea has lightened up quite a bit. I mean, Chelsea's kind of a do-gooder now. Sage, on the other hand, she's still got some darkness in there. So I think there's a part of me that's a little bit curious to see how that relationship might turn out. Daisy on Facebook says, I think Sage doesn't want to grieve with her husband because she knows Adam is really Christian's father, not Nick. And that is what I was thinking too, Daisy, because there's just something that's not adding up to me here. I don't, I'm starting to not understand why Sage is throwing up these barriers. Furthermore, as we've all talked about, I don't understand how Adam could just let Nick think and raise, think that Christian was his and raise Adam's child as his own. It doesn't seem character consistent to me. So there's, I'm just starting to wonder if maybe it was Sage who switched the paternity test results. We all know that she's the one that initiated the paternity test. It's certainly possible that she's the one who switched the results, and maybe Adam only found out about it afterward. And still, I don't know why that would cause him to be compassionate toward her if he if she lied to him that monumentally. It, I, I guess even more of a strain for me uh, than the sage thing is understanding Adam. I don't get why he would let someone else to raise his son. And at the same time, I don't get why he would feel compassionate towards sage if she lied to him. So I'm struggling with this one, but I think you're right, Daisy. I think sage either, whether it's instinctively or or just absolutely overtly, I think Sage knows that Adam was the father. Gary, <laughs> I gotta get some more info on this, Gary. He says to me this week, I'm finally liking Adam. Well, it's about time, <laughs> Gary. Weiner has been working overtime to try to make that happen. I mean, Adam is an underdog right now, if I've ever seen one, and I know you and I like the underdogs. I mean, come on. Weiner, they went into the burning bit building, had him getting beaten up in jail. I mean, they've taken the character of Adam through the ringer. You're supposed to have compassion for him now. It's it's a little harder, I think, sometimes to like a villain, and especially given all of the things that Adam has done. But um, but I kind of think that YNR is really trying to turn any any stragglers onto onto Adam's side. They need us to be invested in his story, and it's it's interesting to know that now you are Gary. What is that finally turned you around? Inquiring minds want to know. Oh, Gary also reminded me, and I think this is an important point to take into next week's show. We don't really know what happened to Kelly. 
Victor has been holding that over Jack's head through all of the Marco situation, saying, look, I know you killed Kelly, but we don't really know. Pretty much, Kelly was holding Jack hostage, there, and they he was tricking her into making love. I mean, she had him drugged up. It was, he was out of it. The, the very next scene, she's laying in bed. He, he rolls over, looks over her at her, and she's got blood dripping out of her mouth. So we obviously know something happened, but, but there's not exactly confirmation that or really any kind of indication that Jack killed Kelly. We didn't see blood on his hands, I don't think. Uh, we didn't see... I mean, he, he just woke up from a dead sleep and she was dead. So... Um, I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to get resolution on that, though. Uh, Consuela sent me an email, and she followed it up with a thought that, that reads as this. I am so tired of Victor throwing Kelly's murder and the cargo ship bombing in Jack's face and blaming it on him. Jack would never ha have had to do that if it wasn't for Victor setting all of that into motion by kidnapping him. Yes, Consuela, it's ridiculous that Victor thinks he has the upper hand with this information. Victor had Jack kidnapped and replaced with a double. When all of this information comes out, it's Victor who's going to be the villain here, not Jack. Give me a break. <laughs> oh, Beatrice left me just such a, a heartfelt voicemail this week um several it was good to hear from you again but she was just talking about the scene uh with nick and sage when he's trying desperately to find a way to fix their relationship wanting to just uh, if it means moving off the ranch we'll move off the ranch if it means bulldozing the house we'll bulldoze the house uh beatrice says it just hit her in such a raw and real place and when you lose a child it's like someone is continuously pouring salt on your wound and you just don't know how you're going to get through it uh, I just can't, I can't imagine going through something like that. And I really think that's why I connected in with Sage. And, and I think that's a, a perfect reason to connect in with Sage. She is mourning a loss that's, that, that many probably viewers have gone through. And I thought that um, it was interesting, too, that Sage and Adam had a follow-up scene where, whereas Nick is ready to smash, you know, what can I smash down? Can I bulldoze this house to? to make this situation better. Adam just really connects in with her reason, I think. You know, Adam gave a speech talking about how, you know, it, it hurts. There's just no stopping the hurt. Eventually, a scar tissue just kind of builds up around your heart. And for some reason, I think Sage just, that's what she needed to hear. It's what she wanted to hear. And I think it, it, if it got her through one more night, then, um, then it was good. Um... Connor made me laugh. Connor says, you know, the Abbott Cabin is like the number one tourist destination in Genoa City. Don't these people realize that nothing good happens at the Abbott Cabin? The killing of Austin and Courtney, Marco, now Lily. <laughs> that really did make me laugh because if you think about it, there's, if you could even go further back into the history. Didn't like, they all, remember when pretty much everybody in Genoa City kidnapped Adam and took him there and held him? I think it like tied him to a chair and forced him to confess to all of the things he'd done with the baby switch. I think Chelsea had a really difficult birth there at the Abbott Cabin. That, that place is just no good. <laughs> that Abbott Cabin, Abbott Cabin is, is a far cry from, far cry from Jamaica. Con Connor also says that uh, he got an early graduation present and his grandmother's taking him on a cruise to Jamaica. Con you just got back from Barcelona. <laughs> You're a world traveler. <laughs> Man, I, I rarely leave the house. Um, Aaron on YouTube says, I am so tired of Sage and her verbal attacks on everyone. I just get some physical help already and move on. You know, I think that... Um, that is a, a really true point that Sage is not dealing with this 
Um, I, I, she's just, I think she needs help. I think that the instinct is to go through it alone. And if that is truly what gets you through, then, then that's, you know, more power to you. But I do think that there becomes a tipping point where you do, you're not able to do it alone, uh, and you need someone to help you. It's just, it's unfortunate for Chelsea that it's going to end up being Adam. Um, Ryan on YouTube says, I don't feel bad for Sage at all. I love Faith being a little brat <laughs> to Sage. It's highly entertaining. I hope she continues to give Sage the Avery treatment. Um, that That's funny. And, and I will say, though, I had a lot of people coming out of the woodwork. I mean, people I really don't even hear from that much were like, I gotta tell you, Allie, I agreed with you about Faith being a little brat. <laughs> I felt so not alone. I I was just tickled the beginning of last week to see so many people saying they kind of got what I was saying about faith and that whole argument with Sage. And I will say also, it has nothing to do with the little actress. Please don't misunderstand me. The little actress is a very good little actress. It's just like YNR makes their children very unrealistic. There's just no situation where that where a child should be calling the shot. I mean, you can really see that everybody is just on tiptoes around Faith. Look at Dylan and Sharon's wedding. Faith stopped the wedding to say she wanted, no, it's not right. We need, you know, but but there was this moment where she goes, it's not right. And everybody goes, Faith, oh, what can we do? What can we do to make our wedding more accommodating to you? And uh, she says, well, I got to go get Sully. And, you know, that's fine and everything, but it's just... It's unbelievable the way uh, the way Faith just gets away with everything. Faith runs the show. Faith runs their the parents' lives. Maybe that's just like me kind of being annoyed at other things. But <laughs> I mean, your kid's your kid. It's not the kid's not an adult. Tell the kid what to do. <laughs> oh man. I'm, I tell you, I don't even know what kind of mother I would be. I, I feel, I feel bad for my, my future child, <laughs> possibly. Um, oh, I got a voicemail from, um, Anna, who got her soap, <laughs> which makes me so happy. Aaron's got a package of soap coming to him. I think you're going to be very happy with it, Aaron. But Anna, this is so funny because it's just, I think, a personality trait. But she said she got the Genoa City soap and she really liked them, but she can tell that she's going to have to force herself to use them because, like, when she gets something special, it's it's so tempting to want to keep it and hoard it. And I, I just wanted to say that I love that message from Anna because I'm the same way. <laughs> I have like my favorite candles. I'll never burn them. I mean, I, I hoard. I, I, I hoard soap. I hold, hoard candles. It's ridiculous. I have clothes in my closet that I will never wear because I like them so much. It's just never good. Like, well, it's, it's special. You know, it's too special. I can't wear it. It's just ridiculous. I really think it's the difference between like a saver and a spender type personality. Like, I bet you're a saver in general like with money uh, Anna I just because I think I'm the same I'm the same way it's like I just you know it's just a, I don't know I'm a hoarder maybe that's what I'm not actually a, a hoarder of things but maybe I'm a hoarder of certain things I suppose but I thought that was funny and I thought I would leave you guys on this note something that my mom always tells me has continued to tell me throughout my life and it's uh, something that Janice Joplin said if you got it today don't wear it tomorrow On that note, and coming off of my freak out last week, I did some intense work this past week and I gave YRChat.com a total facelift. I mean, I rebuilt this website from the ground up. I'm not even kidding you. I burnt, you may have probably hopefully didn't notice, but like I burned it to the ground and rebuilt it. <laughs> It took some time, it took some effort, but I got some fun new stuff there, um, including I'm going to put up a little section for YNR community chat. So we talk about the show every week, but I think there are other topics that we could address in the context of the show that might be fun to talk about. Um, and I think it also might be kind of fun to build up our community of chatters a 
little bit more because you guys listen to me and I hear from you all individually but I want you to feel like you can talk to each other um, I love uh, just the idea of being able to talk maybe about more general YNR topics like toss out a, a question about the history of the show or whatever just it's, it's just anything that doesn't quite fit into the weekly YNR so I did create a new section of the website for YNR uh, community chat and for the very first question or topic I put up there uh, I just thought we would do maybe an introduction so if you guys are interested first you should totally go to yrchat.com and let me know what you think of the facelift because I got some colors in there. I got some pictures in there. I think it looks really good. I think it's functional, and if it's not, let me know. But I thought for the first YNR Chatter thing, we'd do some introductions. So I tossed out just a few questions that maybe you guys might like to answer to tell me and tell us a little bit about you because to me, you guys... I mean, a lot of you are usernames. I would love to know, like, who you are. I'd love to know your first names. Um, I'd love to know other things about, you know, like, when did you start watching YNR? How did you find YNR chat? If, you know, and if you'd like to open up a little bit about who you are, like, what do you do for, you know, what's your job? Um, do you have any other hobbies? So I put up uh, this post at yrchat.com if you want to go in there and just tell me a little bit whatever you want to offer about who you are if you include like your username that'll help me make sure that I'm connecting uh, who, exactly who you are beyond you know just like the, the the text characters that you that you put there I started off uh, the thread by telling you guys a little bit about me where I'm from what I do what my uh, you know what other hobbies I have and a little bit more about the kind of my story behind YNR chat and all that stuff if you want to check that out and of course don't forget we've got the uh, poll Adam and Sage question mark we've got the who said it holy shiitake <laughs> uh, I always put a photo caption up there and I think there's a, you know some, at least some good opportunity to uh, chat a little bit you know amongst yourselves too so I hope you check that out and let me know what you think let me know who you are. Okay, you guys, that is it for me. But as always, you can call and leave me leave me some comments. You can call. Uh, you can send text messages. Well, not text, actual phone text messages, but you can send emails. Uh, here's uh, the voicemail number first. It's 309-588-4569. You can program it into your phone. Give me a call when you're watching and let me know what you're thinking. Um, uh, of course, uh, if you go to the website, I have my links to Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. Um, feel free to leave comments there um, and feel free to comment uh, amongst each other. <laughs> I always love hearing your thoughts, um, certainly about the weekly show, but I've got some ideas in mind for other YNR related questions and polls and other fun stuff that we could do too. So... Woo! It's been a big week for me, <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a good week for us next week. I'm looking forward to this press conference. <laughs> I love you guys, and I will see you next time. Everybody take care. Bye!